You've likely heard the headlines. The new class of GLP-1 agonist drugs, with silly names such as Wegovi, Ozempic, Saxenda, Rebelsis, and Monjaro, are flying off the shelves so fast that pharmacies are running out. Originally intended to reduce blood glucose in people with type 2 diabetes, it was observed that people taking these drugs lost weight, sometimes a substantial quantity. Human clinical trials have since corroborated these weight loss effects. If you have been following this and other conversations, you already know that pharmaceuticals almost never come without a price. That is side effects, unintended effects, as well as costs. So are taking these drugs for weight loss worth the cost? Are they safe? And do they yield weight loss that lasts? Let's talk about these issues, but especially the long-term health price people will pay by relying on these drugs for weight loss. Later in the podcast, let's talk about Define Health's sponsor, Paleo Valley. Their fermented grass-fed beef sticks, bone broth protein rich in collagen, organic super greens, and low-carb superfood bars are wonderful additions to your healthy lifestyle. They are also expanding their wild pastures service that delivers 100% grass-fed and finished pastured meats from a regenerative family farm right to your door. And look for their interesting new products such as chocolate-flavored grass-fed bone broth protein, grass-fed organ complex in capsule form, and essential electrolytes to add to your intake of electrolytes such as magnesium. I'd also like to introduce Defiant Health's newest sponsor, Cutting Edge Cultures, a source for excellent starter cultures to create your own fermented foods. For those of you who want to be more confident in making your own fermented vegetables, yogurts, and kefirs, Cutting Edge Cultures provides convenient starter cultures that begin with specific beneficial microbes while also making the process faster, meaning you will create healthy fermented foods typically within 48 hours. I'll tell you more about their terrific products later in the podcast. GLP-1 stands for glucagon-like peptide 1, a naturally occurring hormone that helps regulate blood sugar. GLP-1 agonists that is, drugs that provoke release of the GLP-1 hormone, therefore help reduce blood glucose. But they also reduce appetite and slow the digestion of food in the stomach, and thereby yielding satiety. There may be other ways by which these drugs work, but the end effect is weight loss. The amount of weight loss differs depending on whether you're male or female, more if you're male, age, hormonal status, and other factors. But people typically lose something like 15 to 35 pounds over 12 months. So there is no debate. There's no uncertainty. These drugs do indeed cause weight loss. And these drugs have been successful because conventional, most conventional approaches to weight loss simply don't work. Calorie-restricted diets, other pharmaceutical agents like Contrave, bariatric procedures such as lap band or gastric bypass. These are all, by the way, variations on the same theme. That is, they all reduce calorie intake, whether you restrict it purposely by cutting back on portion sizes or the frequency of meals, or you take a drug, including the GLP-1 agonists, and all bariatric procedures. These are all methods to reduce calorie intake. Now, we know with good evidence, and you, you'd be familiar with this if you've been following my Defiant Health podcasts and my uh, drdavisinfinitehealth.com blog, you know that all these methods of losing weight involve loss of muscle. 
That is, if you lose, say, 30 pounds, about a third, it can vary, but about a third typically is muscle. So you lose about 10 pounds of muscle. Think about what that looks like. Think of 10 pounds of beef on your kitchen table. That's a huge amount of muscle you lose. Well, muscle is the primary determinant of your basal metabolic rate. That is the rate at which your body burns calories for the work of living, for breathing, for digestion, for the basic activities of life. So that's your basal metabolic rate. Well, when you lose 10 pounds of muscle, your basal metabolic rate drops, typically by about 15 to 27%, and that effect persists for years. What that means is that you will regain the weight. You inevitably and unavoidably regain the weight that you lost by these various methods of reducing calories. And when you regain the weight, it's mostly fat. You don't regain all the muscle. So if you lost 10 pounds of muscle, You'll only get, regain a few pounds of muscle, and the rest will be fat. So if you lost 30 pounds originally, the weight you regain of 30 pounds is nearly all fat. And that's a problem, because the loss of muscle and the increase in fat actually makes you less healthy, less metabolically healthy than you were at the start. Higher blood sugar, more insulin resistance, higher blood pressure, all the things that lead to all the common co chronic conditions we're aware of, like type 2 diabetes, cognitive impairment, heart disease, coronary disease, stroke, fatty liver, and many other conditions. So the loss of muscle is a fundamental problem with any method in which you reduce calorie intake. Another problem with these methods that involve reducing calories is that it's preferential to lose weight from the subcutaneous fat. That's the fat in your buttocks and thighs and calves and neck and chest under the skin. It's less selective for abdominal visceral fat. Now, abdominal visceral fat is the source of nearly all the problems associated with excess weight. In other words, the subcutaneous fat is really only a weight burden, a stress on your joints like your hips and knees, but it's the abdominal visceral fat, that is the fat within the abdominal cavity that encircles your intestines, pancreas, liver, and other abdominal organs. That's the fat that has all these health implications that leads to body-wide inflammation, insulin resistance, the fundamental processes that lead to all those health conditions like heart disease and dementia. As I mentioned earlier, all these GLP-1 agonist drugs also lead to a reduction in calorie intake and thereby suffer from also the loss of muscle. So with the GLP-1 agonists, the loss of muscle can be as high as 40 or 50% of the weight you lose, thereby impairing your ability to maintain that weight loss. So a typical story would be someone spends, say, $15,000 to lose 30, 35 pounds, of which 10, 12, or 15 pounds is muscle. They stop the drug. It's expensive, right? They stop the drug and they regain most or all of the weight, most of which is fat, not muscle. And you're thereby less metabolically healthy than you were at the start. Not to mention loss of muscle has other implications, especially long-term implications. It means that you're more insulin resistant, you have hot, lower testosterone in males, you're more prone to frailty, fractures, difficulty in navigating the world, doing such simple things as working in your garden, carrying groceries, climbing stairs. So losing muscle, especially that much muscle, is a real long-term health problem. Unfortunately, as often happens, my colleagues do not read the science and are unaware of these issues and often tell their patients that these are miracle drugs, that they achieve spectacular weight loss with no price, no health price to pay. This is simply not true. That Those are comments. That's advice born out of ignorance, not out of wisdom, not out of experience.
So among the problems with these GLP-1 agonists is profound loss of muscle, which thereby virtually guarantees that you regain the weight and most of it will be fat, making you less healthy. With regards to the loss of subcutaneous versus abdominal visceral fat, the GLP-1 agonists are actually a little bit better than some of the other methods of calorie restriction. And there's about a 50-50 spread of weight loss, of fat loss from subcutaneous and abdominal visceral fat, but it is not selective for the most problematic form of fat, that is the abdominal visceral fat. In addition to these very fundamental problems associated with a GLP-1 agonist, there are other problems. One, most of the drugs are injectable. You have to inject yourself, sometimes daily, sometimes weekly. There is one that is oral, that is rebelsis. All the others are injectable. They all come accompanied by very significant gastrointestinal side effects, especially nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. Some people develop pancreatitis, which is a very serious complication because that can damage your pancreas for a lifetime, which means that you may not be able to produce insulin. You could become a type 1 diabetic, and you can lose the capacity of your pancreas to produce digestive enzymes. You can imagine if you can't produce digestive enzymes, you can't digest food. That's a major problem and leads to a whole host of other problems, including small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, SIBO. Uh, that is the expansion of fecal microbes into this 24 feet of small intestine. So pancreatitis, in addition to being excruciatingly painful, is a very serious problem that can be irreversible. You may have also heard about this phenomenon that the New York Times calls ozempic face. And what that refers to is because people lose muscle and lose subcutaneous fat from their face. Many people feel that they look 10 or 20 years older yeah, they lost 30, 35 pounds or whatever, but they look 10 or 20 years lo uh, older with deep facial wrinkles and muscle atrophy. And of course, there's cost. These drugs typically cost $1,000 to $1,500 per month. Some may be covered by insurance. Often it's not. So either you bear the cost or society bears the cost, right? If your insurance company does pick up some or all the tab, it means you've spread that cost out among everybody else. Now, if you take the drug, let's say for a year, and you've lost 35 pounds at the cost of maybe $15,000, either paid for by you or your insurer or some combination, you have a choice to make. You can stop the drug and regain most or all the weight as fat and be less healthy and be much more prone to prediabetes, type 2 diabetes, and other health conditions. Or you can just accept that you're going to be paying the pharmaceutical company the thousand to fifteen hundred dollars per month for many, many years. So for ten years to maintain that thirty or thirty-five pounds of weight loss, it's going to cost you something like one hundred and twenty thousand to two hundred thousand dollars. And of course, if you go on longer, it'll be more than that. And what's to stop the drug industry from increasing the prices? But drug prices typically don't drop on these kinds of drugs; they typically typically go up as demand increases. And there's also a large societal cost. It's estimated that these drugs will sell about $100 billion per year. Well, this doesn't come free, right? It comes out of your pocket to some degree. It comes out of everybody else's pockets because your healthcare insurance premiums, even if you don't take the drug, are going to skyrocket. So in my view, the GLP-1 agonist drugs are an absolute health and societal disaster. It's going to cost a lot of people a lot of money, and a lot of health problems long term. I predict there's going to be an uptick in all those modern health conditions that plague modern humans, like type 2 diabetes, coronary disease, dementia, etc. And as you could predict, those societal costs also will be profound, will be huge. Now, that all said, is there a way 
in which you can lose weight, specifically abdominal visceral fat, the fat that drives inflammation and insulin resistance, that causes weight gain, can we specifically target that most problematic form of fat, and can we preserve or maybe even increase muscle and thereby prevent weight regain? Yes, you can. Let's now first take a moment to talk about our sponsors of the Defiant Health Podcast, and when we come back, let's talk about better solutions to lose weight, but even better, to achieve an improvement in body composition, including preservation or increase in muscle mass that prevents weight regain, long-term weight regain. The Defiant Health Podcast is sponsored by Paleo Valley, makers of delicious grass-fed beef sticks, healthy snack bars, and other products. We are very picky around here and insist that any product we consider has no junk ingredients like maltodextrin, carrageenan, carboxymethylcellulose, sucralose, and of course, no added sugars. And all Paleo Valley products contain no gluten nor grains. In fact, I find Paleo Valley products among the cleanest of any in their category, and they're truly delicious. One of the habits I urge everyone to get into is to include a fermented food product at least once, if not several times per day in their lifestyles. Unlike nearly all other beef sticks available, the Paleo Valley grass-fed beef sticks are all naturally fermented, meaning they contain probiotic bacterial species. And now, Paleo Valley is expanding their Wild Pastures program that provides 100% grass-fed, grass-finished pastured beef and pastured chicken and pork, raised without herbicides or pesticides, and raised in the USA. And they've just added wild-caught seafood caught from the waters of Bristol Bay, Alaska. They're now offering a 20% lifetime discount on every order for a limited time. I'll post the web address in the Defiant Health show notes. Shipping for Paleo Valley products is free for orders of $75 or more. For more information or to order, go to paleovalley.com, enter the coupon code DEFIANT, not case sensitive, for a 15% discount to Defiant Health listeners. The web address is also listed in the Defiant Health show notes that accompany this podcast. And be sure to take a look at their other products, such as their organic super greens, rich with phytonutrients, and their super food bars that come in dark chocolate chip, apple cinnamon, and lemon meringue. They're low carb, of course, with 8 grams net carbs per bar. The folks at Paleo Valley have lately been busy recently adding some interesting new products, including pasture-raised, fermented pork sticks, chocolate-flavored grass-fed bone broth protein, grass-fed organ complex in capsule form, pumpkin spice superfood bars with grass-fed bone broth protein, and new essential electrolytes in powder form to add to the potassium and magnesium intake of your lifestyle, available in orange, lemon, and melon flavors. And for listeners to the Defiant Health Podcast, you can apply your discount code for a 15% discount. The discount code can be found in the show notes. I'd like to also introduce you to Defiant Health's newest sponsor, Cutting Edge Cultures, who provides a variety of high-quality starter cultures for your fermenting projects. Including several servings of fermented foods in your daily routine is among the most important practices you can adopt to maintain or restore the health of your gastrointestinal microbiome. Cutting Edge Cultures makes it easy. With starter cultures for culturing vegetables with their Culture Veggie Starter, yogurt with the Yogurt Plus Starter, and kefir with Easy Kefir Starter. They've also added LR Superfood Starter to cultivate one of my favorite microbes, Lactobacillus rotari. 
and L-Gasseri superfood starter to grow Lactobacillus gasseri, both extremely important gut microbes lost by modern people. They also have a convenient prebiotic powder called PreBio Plus that makes it easy to add important prebiotic fibers to coffee, yogurt, or other foods. And you've got to try their kefir soda starter that makes an effervescent soda-like drink filled with healthy probiotic species. Go to Cutting Edge Culture's website to enter the discount code DEFIANT, not case sensitive, for a 15% discount for Defiant Health listeners. Web address and show notes. Using Cutting Edge Cultures not only allows you to pick and choose some of the microbes you ferment, but also saves time by cutting back on the amount of time required to ferment your foods. So if the best they have in conventional healthcare and conventional medicine is a disaster and does not work long term and actually leads to health problems, health complications, are there ways to actually get better results to lose fat, especially abdominal visceral fat that is the source of so many problems, while preserving body composition, that is preserving lean muscle mass and thereby averting long-term health problems and preventing weight regain? Yes, there are. But as I often have to say, it means you have to start by forgetting all the advice you've been given, such as cut calories, move more, eat less, everything in moderation. All that does not work. If you want to see how that works, take a look at all the people around you who have 50, 100, 200 pounds of excess weight and a long list of health problems and a long list of pharmaceuticals they take to compensate. It also helps to stop thinking about just weight loss but thinking about abdominal visceral fat loss, because that's the fat that causes insulin resistance and inflammation that drives overall weight gain, including subcutaneous fat. So target abdominal visceral fat and subcutaneous fat will follow. And of course, it's important that we do not lose muscle, no muscle. We want either to preserve what muscle we have or even increase the muscle. Is that possible? It absolutely is. Let's start with diet. We, of course, do not limit fat. We do not limit calories because those are losers' errands. They do not work and they're unnecessary. Cutting fat in your diet, cutting saturated fat in your diet does not reduce cardiovascular risk. That's nonsense. That's a misinterpretation of very bad data from many years ago. So we are not going to restrict total fat. We are not going to restrict saturated fat. Instead, we're going to eliminate the foods that were added relatively recently in human evolutionary terms, that is wheat and grains, because wheat and grains raise blood sugar higher than almost any other food. There are very few foods that raise blood sugar higher than the amylopectin A, that's the carbohydrate of wheat and grains. So we're going to eliminate that and thereby stop provoking high blood sugars and high blood insulin. Because when you provoke high blood sugar and insulin, you cultivate insulin resistance. That causes expansion or growth of abdominal fat and all its consequences, inflammation and uh, insulin resistance. That is a vicious cycle. The more visceral fat you have, the more insulin resistance you have, the more insulin resistance you have, the more abdominal fat you have, and around and around in a vicious cycle. So by eliminating all wheat and grains, you've eliminated the amylopectin A that raises blood sugar, blood glucose, and insulin and leads to insulin resistance. You also eliminate the gliadin protein, the gliadin protein of wheat and related proteins in other grains like the cyclin in rye. 
the hordine and barley, the zein and corn, are all only partially digested. Humans don't have the enzymes to break those proteins down, the gliadin protein and related proteins, into single amino acids as we're supposed to when we eat other proteins. If you eat an egg, say, or a piece of chicken, your digestive process will break those proteins down into single amino acids that are then converted into skin and bone and hair and eyes and all the other organs of your body. The gliadin protein and related proteins of other grains cannot be broken down into single amino acids. Instead, they're broken down into fragments, four or five amino acid long fragments or peptides. These peptides are very unusual in that they can cross into the brain and bind to opioid receptors where they stimulate appetite. So the gliadin-derived opioid peptides are very potent appetite stimulants, taking away your control over impulse, temptation, and appetite. Take those away, and you are no longer tempted. And you'll find that you're freed from hunger. You might have breakfast, say, at 7 o'clock, let's say three eggs and some bacon or sausage or something like that, and you're probably not going to be hungry till late afternoon. You might not be even hungry for dinner. It, the whole contour, the whole composition or feeling of hunger is completely changed once you eliminate gliadin-derived opioid peptides and obtain the satiating effect of unrestricted fats and oils. So diet forms a cornerstone of your start in specifically targeting the loss of abdominal visceral fat. The reason why that happens, by the way, is because you're targeting reversal or reduction or minimizing insulin resistance, the process that grows abdominal visceral fat, and the reduction in inflammation that develops when you lose abdominal visceral fat means that muscle is no longer being inflamed and you're less likely to lose muscle mass. Now, by losing abdominal visceral fat, subcutaneous fat will follow, and it will follow more rapidly because you've specifically reduced abdominal visceral fat that drives insulin resistance and inflammation. We also supplement nutrients that are largely lacking from modern life, not because of our diet, but because of modern lifestyles. We replace magnesium, for instance, because we, we filter our drinking water. Either the city does it for you or you do it in your own home. And water filtration is extremely efficient at removing all magnesium. And magnesium is a major player in inflammation and insulin resistance. So we try to get something like 500 milligrams of magnesium daily in the form of magnesium malate, magnesium glycinate, magnesium chelate, and some others. We also supplement omega-3 fatty acids, EPA and DHA, because they also play a big role in inflammation and insulin resistance. We get EPA and DHA from fish oil. It's hard to get from fish without in, uh, risking mercury toxicity. It's hard to get it from shellfish without risking cadmium toxicity. Both those heavy metals, by the way, are unusually persistent in the human body, so you don't clear them very effectively, and they kind of accumulate or stack over time the more you are exposed. So we turn to fish oil supplements as a purified source of EPA and DHA, and we try to obtain something like 3,000 milligrams or more of the EPA and DHA per day divided into two doses. We try to get iodine because iodine deficiency has been a public health problem all throughout human history until 1924 when the FDA asked salt manufacturers to add iodine to salt, iodized salt. And it essentially got rid of this huge public health problem of goiters and large thyroid glands due to lack of iodine and all its effects, including fatalities from severe hypothyroidism, something called myxedema or myxedema coma. This was a huge problem. It's easily remedied by making sure you get iodine. Unfortunately, because of 
advice to cut fat, increase consumption of grains in the diet, a situation that causes insulin resistance and sodium retention, that was misinterpreted. The sodium retention was misinterpreted as being due to salt consumption and not due to cutting fat and adding more grain products and processed foods. So we're not going to add grain products, we're removing them. We don't eat processed foods. We don't have insulin resistance and sodium retention. So you can salt your food, but it's even better if you add some exogenous source of iodine, such as kelp tablets or potassium iodide drops. We try to get something like 300, 400, that range, micrograms of iodine per day. Resist the temptation to up the dose because there is iodine toxicity, particularly when you get into the thousands of microgram doses or milligram doses. So please don't do that. Lastly, we get vitamin D because modern lifestyles mean you likely work indoors. When you do go outdoors, most people wear clothes that cover most of the body's surface area and block the activation of vitamin D in the skin. And we lose the ability to activate vitamin D in the skin with sun exposure as we get older. So after about age 40, most people have very low levels of vitamin D. And so we restore vitamin D, we supplement vitamin D with an oil-based gel cap for a short absorption, as opposed to powders in a capsule or tablets, which are very poorly absorbed. So we get the widely available oil-based gel caps. The dose is is dependent on you. It, it varies by weight and sex and individual genetics. But a typical dose would be 5,000 to 6,000 units in an oil-based gel cap per day. I would urge you to get, at some point, a 25-hydroxy vitamin D blood level and aim for a level of 60 to 70 nanograms per milliliter. That, I believe, is the ideal level, and we've never seen an episode of toxicity over thousands and thousands of people doing it this way. Note that it takes three months for your vitamin D to achieve so-called steady state. That is, the, uh, the level in your blood rises and doesn't achieve a plateau for three months. So if you start your vitamin D on January 1st, don't check your 25-hydroxy vitamin D until April. Likewise, if you change the dose, if you increase it or decrease it, wait three months before you recheck a level. These four nutrients, magnesium, iodine, omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin D, when put together, have a dramatic impact on reducing or minimizing insulin resistance and inflammation once again. And of course, combined with the diet, you get an even bigger synergistic effect. And you target, you specifically target loss of abdominal visceral fat. And of course, subcutaneous fat will follow while preserving muscle mass, lean muscle mass. Now, in my programs, we have a general approach to rebuilding our broken gastrointestinal microbiome. Uh, if you've been following my conversations, you know that modern people have lost literally hundreds of beneficial microbial species in the human gastrointestinal tract, and that has allowed unhealthy, dangerous fecal microbes, species like E. coli or Salmonella or Campylobacter to proliferate. And in many people, by my estimation, at least half of the U.S. population has had this happen. These fecal microbes, because they're no longer suppressed by healthy microbes, climb, ascend into the 24 feet of small intestine. Now that is highly inflammatory because when you have fecal microbes in the small intestine, unlike the colon, the small intestine, the duodenum, jejunum, and ileum is poorly equipped to tolerate the presence of trillions of fecal microbes in the 24 feet of its length. And so when these microbes die, they release something called endotoxin. And that endotoxin is thereby able to penetrate into the bloodstream through the small intestine. And that's called endotoxemia. Endotoxemia is a major 
driver of insulin resistance and inflammation, right? The process that causes abdominal visceral fat and causes loss of muscle or inflammation and weakening of muscle. So we're going to take steps to shift the composition of the gastrointestinal microbiome. Now, that's a whole conversation of its own. Please see my other Defiant Health conversations, as well as my drdavisinfinitehealth.com on how to eradicate or deal with SIBO. But a good starting place is to replace the microbe loss by virtually all modern Americans, Lactobacillus reuteri. This microbe is very susceptible to common antibiotics, like amoxicillin, that you may have taken, say, for an upper respiratory infection or a urinary tract infection, 10, 20, 30 years ago, when you did, you likely eradicated, wiped out all of your lactobacillus reuteri, as well as other microbes. Well, reuteri is very important for two major reasons. One reason is that it, when you had this microbe, it colonized the small intestine, the 24 feet of small intestine, where it took up residence and produced bactericins. These are natural antibiotics effective against fecal microbes. So the loss of reuteri was one of the major reasons why fecal microbes were allowed to ascend and populate the small intestine. Well, a big first step in pushing back that process is to restore the microbe loss by almost all of us, lactobacillus reuteri, and let it do its job of colonizing the upper GI tract, the small intestine, and produce bactericins effective against fecal microbes. Another reason why replacing or restoring lactobacillus reuteri is important is because once it takes up residence in the GI tract, it sends a signal via the vagus nerve to the brain to release the hormone oxytocin. Oxytocin is important for a long list of reasons, but among the most important reasons is that it stimulates muscle growth. That is, it stimulates a return to youthful muscle. In the experimental models, when elderly mice with uh, atrophied muscles are given lactobacillus reuteri or oxytocin directly, either way, there is a dramatic restoration of plump, youthful muscle cells. We're seeing that play out also in the people who are cultivating lactobacillus reuteri as our yogurt, our lactobacillus reuteri yogurt. We're seeing people in their 60s and 70s, for instance, regain the strength of youth, regain the muscle mass of youth, being able to do such things as handle more weight at the gym, go mountain biking, do things that you might not ordinarily expect of people in that age group. Now we go even further by restoring some other things that are lacking from the modern lifestyle. So we're going to revert back to the diet that is programmed in your genetic code, no wheat, grains, or sugars, no limitation of fat or calories, right? We're going to restore those nutrients lacking because of modern lifestyles that synergize to reverse inflammation and insulin resistance. We're going to restore a microbe lost from the human gastrointestinal tract that not only pushes back endotoxemia, SIBO and endotoxemia, but also provokes release of oxytocin for all its body composition modifying effects. Lastly, if you were indeed a hunter-gatherer and you got up this morning put on your best loincloth and maybe some uh, some skins on your feet so you could run a long distance and hunt down an animal, you would drag that carcass back to your camp and you and the members of your clan would consume the brain, heart, tongue, intestines, stomach, kidneys, as well as meat and bone marrow. Well, most modern people don't do that. And they are thereby, we are thereby very deficient in collagen and hyaluronic acid. You should have been getting collagen by consuming the meats and organs, also boiling the carcass to mobilize the collagen and tendons and ligaments and other places. If you consume brain and skin, those, those body parts are the richest in hyaluronic acid. 
These are important. Collagen and hyaluronic acid are important because they also make a major contribution to reduction in abdominal visceral fat and preservation or increase in lean muscle mass. Of course, you can get your collagen and hyaluronic acid by reverting back to that lifestyle. Most modern people don't want to do that. The closest they come is making a, what I call carcass broth, not bone broth. Bone broth is a mistake. That's how you get lead and not much in the way of nutrients. You want to boil the carcass to make broths and soups. That is, the remains of an animal. Let's say you bake a chicken, you ate the meat and the skin, but save what remains, the tendons, ligaments, the bits and pieces of meat, and whatever organs you can get, boil that. And if you have, if you do include some bones, make sure there's marrow in it, and do not add vinegar, because vinegar doubles the lead content, and you don't want lead. You want to minimize your exposure to lead. But because most modern people don't want to do this, or don't want to do it habitually or consistently, you can turn to supplements most collagen peptides or collagen hydrolysates can be dosed as uh, 10 to 20 grams per day with good effect. Hyaluronic acid, 100 milligrams per day is a very confident dose because if you ate a four ounce piece of, let's say, sheep brain or cow brain or lamb brain, you would get seven milligrams of hyaluronic acid. So 100 milligram as a capsule or powder is a very confident dose. Now put this all together. That is the diet, the nutrients lacking in modern life, restoration of lactobacillus rotari, and replacing the collagen and hyaluronic acid that you're not obtaining from your modern diet. And you have a magnificently effective way to minimize abdominal visceral fat with subcutaneous fat that follows and preserving or increasing lean muscle mass. You lose weight, you lose fat weight, and you do not regain it. Stay on this program and you'll maintain your weight. You will not regain weight. We've seen this play out over the many years of my programs. People lose, say, 50, 75 pounds or whatever. They have small waists. They have muscular arms and shoulders and thighs, and they don't regain the fat weight. And you know what? This didn't cost you $15,000 or $20,000. It's not accompanied by terrible side effects like pancreatitis. You go about your business and you feel terrific. You look terrific. You're full of energy and you get all the other benefits. Well, we focused here on the shift in body composition and loss of abdominal visceral fat and preservation of muscle. There are numerous other side benefits such as better bowel health, better bowel regularity, freedom from many skin rashes, a lifting of anxiety and depression, minimizing or reversing type 2 diabetes, high triglycerides, fatty liver, and numerous other health conditions. We don't have side effects. We have extraordinary side benefits. Now, if you've learned something from this episode of Defiant Health Podcast, I invite you to subscribe through your favorite podcast directory, post a review, post a comment. I hope by now, You've come to understand just how destructive a force modern healthcare has become. A predatory, exploitative industry that is, puts profit and revenue first and is hardly at all concerned with your health. What we're doing here is to give you information, tools, and strategies to regain health. Not just a little bit of health, but magnificent, youthful health. Thanks for listening.